from AM and FM stations around the country. Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach. Hello, everyone. We got a cram-packed show. It is the 24th and we just need to go ahead and get started. My first guest is Jordan Frieda and his, he goes by geography or geographic. I'm confused. We'll make sure to let him set us straight. We're going to talk to him about his new sci-fi world that you direct. And then Noah St. John will be with us to talk about affirmations, a totally different take on that word with an O in it. So let's get started. First up, we have Jordan Frieda. At the age of 18, he was talking online to a movie industry type guru person. And that person said, Hey, if you move to LA now, I will teach you everything you need to know. A year and a half later, he has won an Emmy award and has been involved with five movies at the age of 21. He started an agency and grew it to multi-million dollar status with 120 employees working on movies like Harry Potter and the Avengers and tons of commercials. After five years of that, he realized he wanted to do something else and has started a second company and we will learn about it. Or maybe we're going to learn about his third company. I think. Yeah. So anyway, there was another company in there in the branding space and it grew to over a million dollars. And now he's working on a new thing today called Moom. We will learn all about it. And I've told he introduced you with his first name, the famous name, and then he had a coming out. And so geography, when do you want to let people know your real name? When are we going to do that? Welcome to the show. Hey, Jim, I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to dive in uh, on this with you. And um, yeah, we could, we could let people know my real name now. Um, and I can tell you a little bit about why I had this, uh, this sort of pseudonym, Geographic. Uh, I'm sorry, you know, Geographic. That's it, not Geography. All right, yeah. So Jordan, welcome. Jordan's real name is Jordan Frieda. Jordan, welcome. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm doing great. Um, you know, looking forward to diving in with you on all this and uh, answering some of those questions, telling you a bit about what I've got going on with Moon World and I guess the past as well. So yeah, let's start fire off away. with the, the pseudonym. Why? What purpose? So the pseudonym uh, had to do. It's funny. I've had an online nickname for probably 10, 12, 15 years now called Jordan Geographic. And it actually spanned from a, just my <laughs> my travels and my love for National Geographic. It was just a fun online username. Um, and upon entering what we call Web3, um, which is kind of like the new decentralized internet that a group of uh, large people are trying to bring to life, um, there, there's this notion that of, of anonymity. And instead of saying Jordan Geographic, I entered this space as a, uh, as a builder and as a user with the name Geographic. Uh, because in that space, um, you know, remaining anonymous as you build and sort of building in private is part of it. And then I decided to reveal my identity once the project got to a certain part. 
Um, because and, and it was very interesting working with with this new venture under sort of like a top secret hidden identity because I wasn't even able to tell the people in my life around me um, about what I was working on. And, and when I met people going under this name, it was it was a very interesting experience because you would have interactions that maybe you wouldn't have even had if you told them your name or it was almost like starting over completely. I know that sounds a bit strange, but um, it, there there was something interesting about it. All right. And so when did you come out and reveal your real name? I revealed my real name in relation to this venture uh, two weeks ago, in fact. And the project has been ongoing for around seven months now. So I've been building and creating this community of uh, thousands of people who who like this sort of sci-fi uh, community-built entertainment brand, if you will, uh, seven months without anybody knowing my real name. All right. Fascinating. Well, we'll come back to Moom in a few minutes, uh, let's go back to the rest of this crazy story though. So are you allowed to tell us who tricked you into moving to Hollywood at 18? I mean, that sounds like the beginning of, uh, either a, <laughs> like a FBI most wanted series or a porn movie or something. <laughs> you know, it's funny because when I tell that story, I always, I always go, you know what, looking back on this in, in, uh, in retrospect, it, it is a bit of a strange start to a story. Um, so I'm going to tell you, I'll, I'll tell you about it. So uh, as a teenager and, you know, going, moving into college, I was, um, I was working with bands and rappers and things and kind of carving my path as like a freelance music video director from a very, very young age. Cause I had friends who were, you know, aspiring artists and in that scene. And I was the guy that knew technology and computers and video cameras. Cause you know, I was self-taught um, from a very young age. And this was before YouTube or, or just maybe in the or very early days of YouTube where nobody really knew what it was. Um, and I started publishing videos for these independent artists, uh, on the internet, uh, MySpace film being one of the places, if we go back as far as MySpace, and there was a, you know, I, I would get a pretty decent amount of views. Like I would post a video for, you know, these artists and I would get a couple hundred thousand views in some cases. And there was a gentleman who reached out to me uh, while I was attending college and making these videos. Um, and he was like, yeah, my favorite pastime is watching shitty hip hop videos. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on your show. Apologies. Uh, and am I allowed to? Uh, at this point, it doesn't matter now, does it? We'll edit <laughs> it out of it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Don't worry about and, it. Okay, sounds good. And, I, and, and, I, and he said, you make my favorite shitty hip-hop videos. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of like a backhanded compliment if I've ever heard one. And this was, this was over email, so I didn't know who this person was. And he started giving me tips on special effects because he saw I was integrating special effects on my own into my videos. Um, and with a little research and time, I realized that this person was like a nine... Uh, at that time, I think he was a nine-time Emmy Award-winning visual effects artist working at a couple major Hollywood studios. Um, so a point in time came up where I think I had failed either. It was either geometry or calculus or something. And at the school I was attending, uh, I could at that point in time, no longer afford to retake these courses and keep going. So I learned this about him and I, sh and obviously I, I began to admire his work because he was really talented. So I sent him an email just off the cuff saying, Hey, um, what are the chances? You know, I explained the situation. I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to afford to continue with this. Um, what are the chances that I could work with you or for you? I would work the hardest. I would work the longest. I would just love to know what, how you do what you do, because I'm actually studying to do what you do. 
so maybe that makes the story sound a little bit less creepy. Of course, at this point, I didn't really know what this guy looked like, but I knew his sort of like accomplishments and accolades and artwork. And I just kind of assumed that, you know, he would say no, <laughs> or wouldn't say anything at all. Um, but as, you know, luck or destiny, I guess, would have it, he replied back and he's like, hey, I spoke to my producer on this HBO series. Uh, and if you can move to Los Angeles, because I was in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, within 48 hours, you'll have the gig. Uh, it's an unpaid gig, but I'd be happy to teach you everything I know. Um, and that, and so in that moment, I was like, well, this is what I'm faced with. This could be an opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, so fortunately, it was not the start of a, you know, uh, Dateline, um, <laughs> Dateline series on weird stuff or porn. It was, you know, I went there. He was a great guy. He introduced me to everyone at the studio and we, we started working and I started learning. And that was John Adams, the series. John Adams, yeah, yeah, yeah. John Adams was the series. That, that was, was one of the first things series, I worked on. Great series, dude. Thank you. I worked I on. Loved, I love history, and I, I'm kind of a John Adams fan. Uh, I read the book that that came from. That was a great series. I'm really impressed. Yeah, thank you, Jim. That was that was my sort of uh, getting thrown in the deep end and learning visual effects at like the Hollywood level. So. We were working on multiple shots in that show, um, touched just about every episode in that show. And, uh, that was really my foray and into, into Hollywood. Um, and you know, from there after, I think it was like a year later or something, uh, I received the Emmy, uh, Emmy award honor award on, um, on that series for best visual effects in a miniseries along with our crew. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then I was, I was super young and I was, you know, all that didn't even, it seemed very, surreal to me at the time so is um, this when kevin spacey hooked up with you no 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 i'm gonna add i'm gonna add i'll give you a funny joke about I'll, I'll, I'll go back on that so i actually met kevin spacey once um in a lunchroom at another visual effects company when they were working on house of cards um and if you do your research you can probably figure out what company that is but at that time i was grabbing a sandwich and kevin spacey was grabbing a sandwich from the same pile of sandwiches i was and we bumped into each other and I introduced myself and then he extended his hand and he said, I'm Kevin Spacey. And I said, Oh yeah, of course. And that was the only exchange I ever had with Kevin Spacey. That's where the story ends. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Cause I'm not going to be able to <laughs> edit sake. that out. I for, can for edit the sake, bad word, good. but not your, uh, date rape story. Not that yeah, Kevin yeah, Spacey sure. would ever do that. He's been proven innocent now. So, oh, anyway. has he? I, I'm, I'm unaware. So, Yes. All right. So what happens next in your saga? You continue yeah. working in Hollywood. Continue on. Yeah. So I continue working in Hollywood, working on visual effects, getting better, progressing as an artist, um, you know, around some of the most talented people in the world. And then I decide at a certain point that I wanted to move back to the San Francisco Bay area because the company I was working at was actually going through some trouble and was, essentially about to to end okay this was a big company i was working at and it was about to come to an end for various reasons uh so i moved back home worked at multiple you know a couple ad agencies a couple film studios as a visual effects artist and as a creative director while continuing my path of directing and creating music videos and stuff independently and decided that uh, at a certain point um i wanted to make my own studio and so i set out to do that and linked up with someone that I knew who had uh, technological resources 
and we we partnered up together on that. And what started with just me in a room uh, turned into two guys, four guys, 12 people, 30 people, 50 people, 100 people, until it got to 120 people. And this was all just through contacting the producers and the visual effects producers that I had met earlier on in my career because a few years had passed at this point and telling them that I could do the work because I know that they always need this type of work done. Right. And they entrusted me with it and we just kept scaling and kept growing. And, um, throughout that five year period, I think I worked on over 28, no, 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 over 20 movies at that company. Wow. uh, Providing visual effects services. So that was my first real startup. Um, and then, you know, that, that was my, that was my beginning there. Yeah. All right. And let's try to get caught up so we can go on to Moom. So get us caught up then. For sure. So while working on that, being in Silicon Valley, having being like a young guy that had created that company, uh, saw a lot of early success. A lot of brands started reaching out to us uh, because they found out that we were working on movies like Harry Potter, etc. And we're like, hey, we're a brand new startup. Can you help us build our brand? Long story made short, I then decided to exit that company and build a venture that focused on brands and marketing and brand growth. And that's what I was doing for the last eight years, because I realized that those businesses respected our art form and let us do the things we truly wanted, ironically, more than working on movies did. Um, And so over the course of the last eight years, um, the company that I co-founded helped grow over 30 brands, scale over 30 businesses, doing literally everything for them from strategy to the creative production, to the execution, to the buying of ad media. Um, And I think Moom, to take it back to Moom, was an idea I came up with back in 2016 where I was contemplating building and launching my own brand, but doing it from a different perspective, a perspective of something that was a community driven, community conscious led brand. And so after eight years of being in that company, me and my art director, you know, we were, we were, we were noodling on creating this for years. <laughs> and I just decided, you know what, now's the right time in the climate of business to launch something like this and looking at, you know, what we call web three, which deals with, you know, cryptocurrencies and non-fungible tokens and that using that being a driver to bring communities together. I thought, you know, this is the time to do it and exited that company to start Moom. All right. So what is Moom? Explain it. It's sci-fi. Go ahead. Yeah, so essentially what it is, uh, we call it a sci-fi empire, and uh, it's a community-built or community-conscious brand, which means that as a business, our pledge is to hire the people who are inspired by the story we're telling uh, to help build and further the company. So it starts as an audio series. That audio series is available on you know every podcast channel, including YouTube. Uh, and every month, we put out a new episode. The community that likes the episodes and likes the brand essentially votes and contributes storylines, creative ideas, and we tell this story, and that's where it starts. And then the brand branches off into other areas. And I don't know if I want to touch too much on crypto and NFTs and all those things. It's it's not actually incredibly relevant, probably, to your listeners, unless you think it is. Um, But the brand beyond that becomes, uh, you know, a multi-channel, multi-sort of property brand. So we're going to take the audio series, which has exceeded 150,000 streams and listeners already, we're going to adapt that into an animated series, and we're going to teach the community the fundamental skills required to build an original animated series from scratch, 
And, you know, from, from conceptualization to pitching to a studio. Yeah. So, so beyond that, what we're going to do is we're going to take that brand into multiple directions. One of the things that we're doing is we've announced the first AI collectible, which is essentially a character taken from our audio series. That is a shipping container character creature that will live on your iPhone and live in the Apple vision pro. And you'll be able to talk to and train and, you know, and speak with this character from the lore of our series. And the idea is that this can be scaled across multiple users devices and they can have their own friend and character that exists from our show. And then there are other areas that we're entering um, that I can't, I can't reveal yet. This is the kind of, there's a lot of secrecy in the way these type of businesses are marketed and rolled out. All right. Let's go back to what we do know though. Absolutely fascinating. So at the end of every episode, people get to vote and what kind of vote would it be? For example, is Luke Leia's sister or not? Is that what would have happened at the appropriate part of return of the Jedi? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good. That's a good one um, to reference. I would say that it is. It is things like that. It's decisions about everything from characters' names to characters' decisions to plot points to the color of someone's hair to does so and so engage in a conflict with so and so, and that alters the course of the story. And with myself as the primary writer of the story, it also brings on new challenges, right? Because what we'll do is I'll write an an episode in its entirety then we'll put up all these different things to community vote. And then what usually happens is I have to go rewrite like 30 to 40% of the story based on the decisions that the community has decided. And in each episode, there are anywhere from 10 to 25 different, uh, you know, voting points throughout and an area to submit original ideas with their own storyline to influence it. So are there big votes or, is it about the color of the hair? How often do I actually get to change the the course? I mean, could we vote? I mean, obviously, if you don't want someone to die, you're not going to put let you know let the character die or or something. But you know, how hard off your plan could they push it? Uh, they can. I mean, every episode has, I would say, about three sort of like turning point votes, right? Things Could of that I kill nature. the character? That hasn't been proposed yet, but that is something that's going to be proposed. So there, yeah. So there are there are three at least three three votes in each episode that could fundamentally shift where the story goes. I'm pretty sure that the main character wants to go trans. <laughs> is that is that going to be the vote? Is that what we're doing? I think so. I think so. Should I let them choose how they identify? <laughs> and their pronouns. Yeah, like vote on um, Goldstar is one of our name characters. She's, she's like the female leader of the resistance. Male now. Having, it's going male. Goldstar becomes a male. <laughs> you heard it here first. I'm going to have to brace the actual actress who uh, who plays that role. Um, but yeah, no, no, it's it's funny because I think that's, that's a very extreme version of it. But killing somebody off is definitely fair, right? I love this. This is absolutely fantastic. You remember, oh, you're so young, but back in the seventies and eighties, there were books that you could order. Choose online. your own adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Choose your own event. Exactly. Type things where they would put your name in it and you'd get it for Christmas. And it was a book with your name in it, you know? 
Um, I might be I might be older than you think I am, Jim. How old are you, Jordan? <laughs> I'm 35. <laughs> no. Uh, no, yeah. but I, I know what Choose Your Own Adventure was, and I know what the books you're referring to are yeah. for sure. I, I, I used to love those things. They usually had a stack of them left over at the pediatrician's office for kids who had left them there. <laughs> and they got I don't tired know why of choosing. It'd be hard to return it because it had the kid's name in it 58 times, for God's sake. So, all right. That's so, funny. now I love the idea of the characters, of course, the collectible. We all have to have a collectible, and I collect collectible. I'm a, a collector, and so I have. I don't collect any of the uh, Star Wars or anything, but I have collections. And so I know the love of collecting things. Mm-hmm. Yours, though, you said it was an AI collectible and yes. that you talk to it. It's sort of like a pet rock. Explain. Are you old enough to remember pet rocks? Jordan? I had a couple pet rocks you back had, in my day. I think, okay. I think Tamagotchi might be the easier reference point. Okay. Um, See, uh, People my age do not know what Tamagotchi is unless they have children. Uh, am I allowed to ask how old you are? I am 55. And you didn't, you didn't have experience with Tamagotchi outside of your kids? I feel like... No, I didn't. Uh, I feel like you would have been like 14 when they came out. No, maybe not. I don't think anyway. so. I think that uh, you know, Pokemon was out. I It was certainly not... Um, the way it was yeah. until it went, you know, the participation in the, the games and the outdoor totally. hunt and stuff. Um, totally. So, um, and I always thought it was kind of just dorky and weird. I never got into it, um, at all though. So I, uh, actually Jordan, you want to know the better criteria for establishing how ancient I am and how, uh, <laughs> what's stupid that? I am. I have children in three different decades. Oh, wow. And okay. two different centuries and two different millennia. Wow. But so then you should have, ex- you should have exposure to a lot of different toys and popular culture as a result of that. Right? Yes. But you know, the you weirdest are. thing is, is I'm sitting there Christmas Eve building things and you know, establishing Christmas love and things. And I'm just getting the weirdest deja vus all over. And finally I mention it and my wife goes, yeah, you gave that exact same toy to a different kid 21 years ago. And I'm like, that's Oops. hilarious. Yes. So that's uh, pretty funny. Yes. That is funny. Well, so, all right. So let me explain what this, what this AI is. Yeah, so you can get a sense of what it is. So, um, technical jargon aside, essentially what this is, is this is a collectible character that comes to life in your phone. You're familiar with augmented reality, right? Yes. Okay. Augmented reality, meaning you can see the actual character in real world space through your phone and soon to be in the Apple vision pro. We're working on being like, uh, you know, first to market, uh, on that device. Um, and this particular character is a character with a personality. And so you could have, you know, imagine there's an array of characters from our series that you could have as this collectible AI collectible. And what we've done is and I'm I'm sure you're familiar with the likes of like ChatGPT and stuff. Obviously, everyone's talking about. <laughs> Come on, you're getting a little insulting now, Jordan. No, I mean it, it's the talk of the town, right? So I'm just trying to paint the picture for everybody that's listening. So essentially, what this is is this is a uh, this is a character that has an AI brain and a personality brain, meaning your individual character can have a personality of sorts that it gener- that it develops and learns, and then on the other side, when you ask it questions. It leverages AI technologies like chat GPT 
to go out and source questions, source answers to your questions and have conversations with you. But we also are working on routing all the conversations through the lore, uh, like through the lore of our story so that it behaves as if it's a character within our story. Right. So it would answer you sort of appropriately influenced by the story and by its personality. Um, and digital collectibles from that standpoint, we do talk about NFTs for a moment is, you know, blockchain can prove ownership of digital items. And that's where the collectible, you know, element of it can come into play. I see. And that makes sense. Uh, for sure. Sure. And maybe one of the only NFT uses that passes the smell test. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I guess there's a lot of shaky use cases within the NFT market. And that's why we've been, uh, you know, with this company, obviously we have a lot of our technology, digital ownership and proof of digital ownership for community is, is a big part of it, but we don't call ourselves an NFT project. Um, at, you know, that's not what we're hanging our hat on. I think that that, that world has had uh, some shaky, sh you know, the, the opinion of it is very shaky right now. Uh, but I think the fundamental technology is very important. So, you know, you have this collectible pet or this collectible friend that lives on your phone. It's part of our world. Um, and that's, that's the, that's the gist of it. I love it. I love, I love it. as much as my kids get into their phones and all of that kind of stuff. They would love a thing like that. That makes total sense. So thank you. Uh, I, I can see them becoming obsessed with it. I hope people become obsessed with it. And I hope that, you know, the more data it's fed and the more it can learn and have different personality types and things of that nature, and then they can actually, um, you know, retain it and trade it in essence in the future if they wanted to. So Star Trek or Star Wars? Mm, Star Wars. But that's not, I don't know. That's not fair. It depends what we're talking about. Are we talking about the overall world or are we talking about who forecasted future better? Uh, we're talking about which type of dork you are. I'm a Star Wars dork. dork. Okay. And have they yeah, gone sure. awry in your mind? Have they? I, I feel like your idea is one of the Star Wars most apropos topics. I feel like the Star mm. Wars community has been kicked in the face by Disney to a large degree. Uh, what do you think? I think the community has been turned against. Yeah, I think what I would say is this, is if you're a Star Wars fan and you like sci-fi, you should listen to our audio series because I think you'll love it. Um, and it tends to be on the grittier side and it borderlines somewhere between PG-13 and rated R, I would say. Uh, but Star Wars going awry. Um, it's, de it's debatable because if you talk about, in my opinion, if you talk about the latest movies from Disney, like they don't really interest me. I don't think they did a great job, maybe with the exception of like Rogue One. I thought Rogue One was pretty, was cool. I enjoyed it. You know, if I, if I remove myself from being like a diehard fan and I just watch it for what it is and get myself wrapped up in the magical world, I think Rogue One did a really good, good job of that. I think the rest did a very terrible job of that. Um, and I think that Disney has pretty much butchered it on the feature film front. But then on the other side of that, I look at, um, you know, the, the episodic stuff or whatever that they're doing, the television series that they're doing. I think that the Mandalorian is pretty great. Uh, and I think that Andor is pretty great. And then that one, I was surprised that they shot somebody in the head within the first episode. We're talking about Disney, you know? Yes. 
Uh, and so I have hope on those two properties on the you know, front that's of those be two one properties. of their new rides. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. The shot in the head thing. <laughs> They're just going to shoot all the old fans in the head so they can just create a whole era of new fans. Yes. It um, clears out the park at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's nothing left. I can't even build an R2D2. Um, so as I a think, 35 year old, are you a Disney fan? Are you going to Disney to do the star Wars experiences and things? I wouldn't say I'm a Disney fan by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I, <laughs> I think Disney is great storytellers, historically speaking. Um, but I did go to the, to whatever the star Wars, what is it? Galaxy's edge. I did go, uh, actually during the pandemic when it, like the first day Disneyland opened, I checked it out. And I thought that it was quite the impressive ride and anybody who loves Star Wars would love it. Um, but no, I'm not really a Disney fan. If that, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, the two things are kind of decoupled in my mind. Disney hope is, hopes it stays that way. Yeah. I mean, I, I, look, I, don't, I think most people would, wouldn't. Most true Star Wars fans don't like the films. I, from the people that I've spoken to, though, they like the two properties I just mentioned. Yes. Yes. How do you feel? Are you are you a Star Wars or Star Trek guy? Uh, Star Wars and love Disney. Actually, grew up in Orlando, going to the park every week, and I've had now the you know. There's nothing like taking your own children to love the same things that you remember loving. Uh, I yeah. have a picture of me walking out of the space mountain ride when i was four or five and i have a picture awesome. of my son walking out of the same exit at the same age and so when you're taking your kids and reliving it as uh an adult through their eyes it's a whole different thing so i agree and i've done the same thing when it comes to star wars with my son as well um yeah so so i, I hear you on that and and i guess i i do think disneyland is a great place i didn't I know now we're just talking having a random conversation but I think that Disneyland is uh, like I, I have respect for Disneyland and the, the quality of production that goes into it because I care about those kind of things, right? The art direction, how it you know it takes you outside of your normal life and they kind of like immerse you in this experience. Um, and I think they did. It. I think the Star Wars ride might be one of the most incredible rides at Disneyland. Oh, by sure, for sure. I Jordan, we're out of time. Do. How do people find out more? Follow online. Go moom themselves. They can moom themselves at m 0 m dot world. That's m00m.world. I'm looking forward to uh, any of your listeners who want to learn more and dive deeper, being a member of our community and taking an active role in the brand we're building. Um, because outside of just voting on story, there's also going to be brand decisions and things like that in the, in the coming future as well. Fantastic. Jordan, thank you so much for being with us. Great stuff. And congratulations on a really cool career and not getting uh, molested right there at the beginning. Yeah, I, I barely escaped that sandwich, Jim. I yep. barely escaped. But I appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you so much. We'll be back in just a second. We're going to talk with Noah St. John about affirmations. We'll be right back. And we are back again. Thank you so very much for being with us. You know, we all need a little bit of mental health from time to time. I certainly do. And I'm excited to welcome someone who can help us do that. Please welcome Noah St. John. 
He is the father of affirmations. He is the mental health coach to the stars, working with Hollywood celebrities and eight-figure company CEOs, top athletes, and executives. He is the author of uh, Affirmations, The Miracle of Positive Self-Talk. It is a five-star rated book on that Amazon thing with over 700 reviews, which is really rare. That's uh, a lot of reviews. Noah, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Jim. Great to be here. I need a little bit of positive mental health. Help me. Give me... What are affirmations? <laughs> Tell us about that. Let's start there. Absolutely. And by the way, for the folks listening, I want you to realize we're saying a new word for most of you. It's not the old affirmations that you've heard a million times. It's affirmations, which is spelled A-F-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N-S, affirmations. And you can go to affirmations.com and learn more. But I invented this process. I, that's why I'm known as the no. father of affirmations. Before we and get so, going, before you dive into that and give yeah. us the intellectual stuff, is anyone allowed to create a new word or because you're a PhD, are you allowed to create new words? Uh, is the common man just allowed to create new words? Whenever we have a new technology or a new way of looking at the universe, we often need a new word to describe it. For example, if I would have said the word Google to you in 1974, you would have not known what I was talking about. These two guys from Palo Alto said, hey, let's have something called Google. So yeah, this happens every single day. And so, you know, I, I'm nothing special. I just invented this new process, uh, a methodology that changes your subconscious thought pattern. I, I discovered it one day in the shower in April 1997. So, you know, I'm just the guy who invented a new way of doing things. And yes, I've helped people make uh, over $3 billion over the last 25 years. But really, uh, our formations are uh, a new way of looking at the universe and a new technology of the mind. And so an affirmation, you know, the thing we've heard a million times is a statement, right? A statement like, I'm happy, I'm rich, I'm successful. Your brain goes, no, you're not. And so uh, over 25 you know, years ago in 1997, I invented this process, this method called the affirmations process, the affirmations method, which is using empowering questions because your brain has something called the embedded presupposition factor. Now, that's just a fancy way of saying when you ask a question, your brain automatically searches for the answer. So I was in the shower and I said, why are we going around making statements we don't believe when the human mind operates using something even more powerful. So I said, why don't we just get out the middle, man, and go right to the question? And so that's how I invented affirmations, and that's what they are. And I've helped people over the last uh, you know, quarter century to lose weight, to find love, to make tons of money, um, you know, just really by changing the questions that they're asking. Can you give us an example? What What is the correct question? Mm -hmm. is, it, is it start with why or how or Go for it. Yes, yes. My affirmations method is a specific form of questioning that starts with the word why. For example, if you say something like, uh, I am rich, your brain goes, no, you're not. <laughs> but if you were to ask a question using my affirmations method, why am I so rich? Now, what instantly happens in your brain? Well, what happens in your brain is you actually start to search for the answer. Why am I so rich? And then you might start to look at things that are beyond just money, right? You might say, well, gosh, you know, I'm rich because I have my health, because I have my family, because I have all my fingers and toes. And then you can use this methodology to actually literally begin to change your subconscious thought pattern. See, we're all, most people are focused on what they don't have. 
And when you focus on what you don't have, what do you get more of? The experience of not having. So one of the things that my formations method does is it actually focuses your brain on what you have. And when you focus on what you have, you get more of the experience of having. That's one of the ways that it changes your mind and changes your habits. And then that allows you to change your results and thereby change your life. So it's the idea that gratitude works so much better than any of the other emotions. Well, that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, you could just go around saying thank you. And that's perfectly great, too. Uh, there's, there's an old saying that says, listen, if the only prayer that you ever pray is thank you, that will be enough. I totally agree with that. Uh, my affirmation is not that it's just a, a, a way to really get that and get it very succinct and, and very specific. And I could give you story after story of people who, like I said, use my affirmations method to make a lot of money, to lose weight, to find love, to save marriages. Uh, kids love affirmations, by the way. Those of you listening who have kids or grandkids, nieces, nephews, definitely teach your kids about affirmations because because that's how we can raise the consciousness of humanity one question at a time. And the next generation really, really needs this and uh, needs it right now. All right. I understand how it can change mm -hmm. my current thoughts, but how does it change the subconscious? First of all, what is the subconscious? If you think of your brain like an iceberg, so uh, the, about 5% of our thoughts, behaviors, and actions every day are in the conscious mind, about the 5%, like the top of the iceberg that you can see. However, the vast 95% of the iceberg is the part that you can't see. It's just like that with the subconscious mind. And so the point is, what I always say to my coaching clients, whether they're you know one-on-one -on -one coaching or, or group coaching clients, I always say, listen, um, it wasn't the part of the iceberg that they could see that sunk the Titanic. It was the part that they didn't see that sunk the Titanic, and that's the part that's sinking most of us, too. Meaning it's all these subconscious thoughts, beliefs, and habits that we have every day that are holding so many people back. That's why I've been teaching for over 20 years that many, many people are driving down the road of life with one foot on the brake. Well, that foot on the brake is, in fact, the, are the thing that are stopping you and holding you back from the level of success you're perfectly capable of. Now, I fixed all of this 25 years ago. And so using my affirmations method, along with what I call my power habit system, see, what I realize is that highly successful people are doing these these doing these habits unconsciously and therefore they can't teach it to us <laughs> and so they're doing these uh, these unconscious habits which i defined as the power habit system and affirmations is in fact the foundational power habit so affirmations are the the first thing that we want to do in order to change our beliefs but then you also need to change your your other habits you know using my power habit system and that's something that we help a lot of people with i'll give you a quick example i had one woman in one of my group coaching programs and she is a self-described seminar junkie. She'd been going to all these seminars and spending all this money and she was doing well. She was doing six figures, but she really couldn't get through that income ceiling no matter how hard she worked. And so uh, she joined my coaching program in the first two weeks. She tripled her investment in just two weeks. And that was really just as a result of using my affirmations and understanding these subconscious habits and starting to put them in place for her. All right. Are power habits subconscious only? Go into no, our habits more, please. Sure, absolutely. So, um, as I was saying, that most people, well, we, we're all doing these unconscious or subconscious habits, right? We get into habits that, for most people, are unknowingly and unwittingly causing them to drive down the road of life with one foot on the brake. They're holding themselves back from the level of success they're capable of. So, what I realized over 25 years ago is that highly successful people are doing these unconscious habits. And that because they're unconscious, they're doing them unconsciously, and therefore, when you're doing something unconsciously, 
you don't even know you're doing it, number one. And therefore, number two, that's why they can't teach it to us. So that's why, like my client I was just telling you about, you know, a lot of people are going to all these seminars, listening to all these gurus who are saying to do these habits. Hey, here's if, if you want to be successful, you got to believe in yourself. Hey, you got to work hard. You got to set your goals. Well, no kidding. We've heard that a million times, right? That doesn't help anything. And so what I realized is that these, these highly successful people are doing these power habits. I've identified 11 of them, which I talk about in my books and in my online courses and in my coaching. And the point is these, these unconscious habits and affirmations is one of them, right? So they're unconsciously and unknowingly asking really empowering questions. Like, why am I so smart? Why am I always in the right place at the right time? Why am I so lucky? Now, when you have a form like that, guess what's going to happen? You're going to become lucky. You're going to be in the right place at the right time. Most people, on the other hand, are asking really lousy questions. Why am I so stupid? Why am I so fat? Why can't I lose weight? Why does nothing ever work out for me? Well, guess what? When you're forming in the negative, what are you going to get? You're going to get the negative. So what's ironic about this is that every human being, believe it or not, is already using my affirmations method. There's only two problems. Number one is they don't know they're doing it. And number two... Most people are asking really lousy, disempowering questions. So once you learn my affirmations method, you can change your questions, change your habits, change your results, and change your life. All right. So say I'm a really bad smoker, mm. and I want to change that. Mm -hmm. My question, I don't understand how I ask positive questions, and I'm, I'm still baffled by the why am I so rich question. If I'm struggling with debt and wondering how I'm going to make my next payment, asking myself how I'm so rich seems really dishonest. It seems, I mean, I can ask myself, I'm really healthy, but I'm still in debt and about to lose the house. And so I'm, I'm having trouble putting it together, Noah. So let's go to cigarette. I'm, I, I'm smoking three packs a day. Mm -hmm. What is the positive question that I ask there? I love that you brought this up because that's a real life story from one of my clients named Jake. And he was a drug addict. He was smoking weed. He was a smoker uh, for years and years. And he tried everything to quit for over 10 years and nothing helped. Hypnosis and meditation, nothing. The patch, he, he just, he told me he just nothing helped. So he started to inform, why is it so easy for me to quit smoking? Now, what I want everyone listening to realize is that this isn't magic, okay? I am not teaching, and there's plenty of people who teach this, that if you just think about money, money, you know, falls in from the sky. Well, I don't know what planet that works on, but it's not planet Earth. That's okay? manifesting, right? Is that the name? Hello, hello. Okay. Yes, exactly. That's what lots and lots of people are getting rich teaching, and they're lying to people. That is a lie. Okay, you can't just say, you know, why am I so rich and a million dollars shows up in your bank account? That's, I've never said that and that will never happen. No, that's not how it works. This is science, not magic. All right. I live and work on planet Earth. I don't know where these other guys are, but planet Earth, we have to take action. So what Jake did and what many of my other clients do is they, that he started to form in the way that I teach. All right. Now, it's a four step process. So like I just said, this isn't magic. All right? You still have to take action. But he started to form. That's the first step. Why is it so easy for me to quit smoking? Now, think about his brain over the last 10, 20, whatever years. His brain is literally saying, why can't I quit smoking? Well, guess what? He made that true. Well, now when he learned about affirmations, he said, wait a minute, I can take control of my thoughts. Why is it so easy for me to quit smoking? Now, do you think he quit in five seconds? No. Do you think he quit in five minutes? No. Do you think he quit in five days? Mm, well, it was about two weeks. 
it was about two weeks and he was able to quit after years and years and years. And by the way, when he's, when he found me, he said he was living in this little apartment with cockroaches and all this. It was a bit, bad situation. Now he's living in a beautiful condo. He's created his dream life. Okay. So again, I want to reiterate, this isn't magic. Okay. You still have to take action. That's why I have coaching. That's why I have books. That's why I have courses because this is not magic, but you start to a form and that's when you're starting to plant new thought seeds. All of your thoughts are seeds. It's the law of sowing and reaping, which has been taught for centuries. But most people are sowing really lousy thought seeds. Well, when you sow lousy thought seeds, you're going to get lousy results. So now using my affirmations method and power habit system, you sow better seeds and over time, your life changes. Noah, what a, this is maybe off topic. How do you go to sleep at night? How do you, if you have racing mm -hmm. mind syndrome, yes. yes. how do I control my thoughts at night to fall asleep? And let me tell you what I'm doing now, and I can't wait mm -hmm. for you to, you're a mm -hmm. PhD, so you can give me an official grade. Mm -hmm. yes, I uh, escape into mental porn. And I, mm -hmm. by porn, I have many definitions. My mm -hmm. wife will come in and yep. you know, ask me, what are you doing? And I'm, I'm looking at porn. <laughs> And she goes, what kind of porn? And well, today it's yacht porn. You know, I look at both <laughs> pictures of big yachts and oh boy, I get excited. 150 foot yacht, Noah. Oh mm -hmm. my God. My blood starts to get Love going. It. Mm -hmm. And you know, we have, I have uh, architecture porn and uh, yeah. you know, yeah. lots of porn. And so I play porn games and I assume that I'm president and I can do anything I want. And I'm a benevolent dictator. I'm just appointed president. And that takes my mind off of what I have to do tomorrow and stuff like that. So first, give me a grade. Tell me whether I'm sane or not. And then tell me how I should be doing it. Well, of course you're sane, Jim. You're talking to me right now. So that's, a, that's easy. Uh, but number two is um, I actually call that lifestyle porn. So you could just put it all under the heading of lifestyle porn, right? Because we all want to have a better lifestyle. And that's one of the things that, you know, these gurus do is they're selling you, uh, you know, that lifestyle. Hey, look at my yacht. Look at my jet. Look at my helicopter. And aren't I great? And it's like, well, yeah, you're great. Have you helped anybody actually get any results in their lives? You know, that's why I brag about my clients rather than me, because it's like, it, that's how you know it's a system that works for anybody. So in terms of sleeping better, one of the things that you can start to do is make sure you, you know, get the book of affirmations or go to affirmations.com and get that program. But you can start to affirm right now. Why is it so easy for me to get to sleep? Why do I sleep so well? By the way, and I'll just let you know this, when you go to my website, when you go to noahstjohn.com, that's my name, uh, noahstjohn.com, we have these things called Iaform audios, which are pre-done, done for you, affirmations audios that you can download and listen to. And one of them is in fact, deep blissful sleep. And it's all these affirmations set to relaxing music. And we have ultimate wealth, ultimate health and finding love and all these different uh, programs that are available at noahstjohn.com. And so the point is you can listen to your IFORM audios and that's one of the ways it also can help you sleep better. It's like a hypnosis CD, except uh, instead of, you know, affirmations, which is what the old hypnosis is, we're using affirmations, which, uh, you know, we've seen for the last 25 years. It's just a lot easier for the human brain to accept and absorb the affirmations because it's using empowering questions rather than statements that you tend to not believe. So if you want to sleep better, why is it so easy for me to get to sleep? Why do I sleep so well? And you can listen to 101 other, uh, you know, affirmations um, on the IFORM audios. Excellent. Perfect. That'll work. So you do think that I should be appointed president. That's one of the things I got from that answer. 
Oh, absolutely. Why not? I think you do just as good a job as anyone else. Why not? Well, you know, that's so true. I don't, I think that we would be far better right now if we picked 435 reps and a hundred senators and the president just out of the effing phone book, just pick them <laughs> at random. <laughs> Well, I love what Warren Buffett said. He said, I can fix the budget in five minutes. And the reporter asked him, how'd you do that? It's very simple. If you don't balance the budget, then all of the representatives have to leave, right? And so if you balance the budget in five minutes, I'm like, you love you, Warren. Brilliant guy. Uh, I, I, duh. I mean, it's just right. so ridiculous. Yes, it is. Um, and, and I want to make sure everyone understands I'm, disgusted with both sides so noah you said there are 11 yes, power habits affirmations is one of them give us another power habit and tell us why it's important yeah I, I mean this is one of the things that actually changed my life many years ago when i discovered it and it's about this idea of goal-free zones so there there are a lot of gurus most of the gurus out there teaching the hustle and grind right hustle and grind right and work 14 16 18 hours a day and if you're not working on christmas eve you're a loser and i'm like are you freaking nuts i mean i want a life buddy i don't know where you're at but i want to live i want my business to serve me not the other way around i don't want to live the work i want to you know, I want my business to serve my lifestyle, right? So that's that's the people that I coach, who people who agree with that. You know, hey, if you want to hustle and grind, go ahead and you know talk to those guys. But my point is that I, you know, re realize the importance of what I call goal-free zones. And one of the reasons for that is because I was like this many years ago. I felt so guilty if I ever stopped. And one of the reasons I felt guilty was because that's what the gurus tell you. Hey, man, you got to work, 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 work all the time. And those are the grindstone. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, my dear God. You know, so finally, I realized that I have to give myself permission to stop. And what's so funny about that is so many people are like me, you know, they, they are like I was, you know, feeling guilty for if you ever stop working, if you ever stop setting goals. So a goal-free zone is exactly what it sounds like. It's a time and place where you actually stop setting goals. And as crazy as that sounds, one of the reasons that is so powerful is because that's when your most creative ideas come to you, right? I'm sure everybody listening can relate to that, right? You, you really don't get, usually, you don't get your creative ideas when you're you know, sitting there at your computer and pounding away, and, you know, you're fried, your brain's fried and all this stuff. You have to get up, literally stand up, get up, take a walk, go out in nature, uh, you know, just do something that is not goal oriented. And for many people, that right there, just giving them permission them to stop, or permission to stop is, is huge. I'll give you another quick example. Uh, uh, one before of my clients. You that example, though, no. Before you move, yeah. on, when you mean, you, do you just mean ten minutes a day, or or an hour, or? Actually, I like them every ninety minutes. Every ninety minutes, you want to take a goal-free zone, uh, and so yeah, every okay, so every the zone but, yeah. is a time period. It's not like yeah, that's uh, right. I'm going to say my relationship with my wife is a goal-free zone. No, I wouldn't say that. No, <laughs> no, it's a, it's just a, it's just a you know ten fifteen minute uh, zone of time and and energy. But you know what I was going to mention is that you know one of my clients uh, in my twelve week breakthrough program we have a program called the twelve week breakthrough because I help people make more in twelve weeks than they did in twelve months uh, while actually winning their lives back. Um, she sent me an email uh, just last week and she said, Noah, because of what you taught me, I raised one hundred eighty five thousand dollars in one day. Because now I believe in me and I never believed in myself before. See, that's just one example of how this can change your life. That is impressive. All right, yes, so we have time for one more power habit. 
Well, the, the final power habit, in fact, that I teach is called find your because. So find your because is all about finding your mission and purpose. See, at the age of 25, I was so depressed and frustrated uh, that I decided to take my own life. I decided to commit suicide at the age of 25. Now, at the very last moment, my life was spared. I didn't know why at the time. And so I realized that I don't know what I'm doing on this planet. I don't know why I'm here on Earth. So I went on a long journey. It took me five years to discover my purpose. And then in 1997, more than 25 years ago, I found it when I discovered affirmations and power habits and all the things that I've been teaching now for over the last 25 years and helping people make, you know, over $3 billion. And so I, I realized that that is so important for all of us. We all need to know why are we here? And, you know, when you're, when you're connected to something greater than yourself, it makes life a lot, lot simpler and easier at the same time. And so when you find your because, it's so crucial and I, I literally show you how to do that of course but there's a lot of people who don't know their purpose and when you don't know your purpose it, it can really be hard to get through the day sometimes and I know that very very well so finding your because is a really really crucial thing that you know I've helped a lot of people do and um, that that's really I, I look at that as the culmination of the power habit system is being connected to something greater than yourself uh, I don't how does because fit into that though I I am alive because I want to sell power habits I, I i'm missing the because well you i mean a lot of people just say find your why uh -huh. i just call it find your because because everything that comes after the word because is what you will <laughs> defend to the death right so i am here on this earth because i want to raise the consciousness of humanity one question at a time that's my because and see that keeps me focused it keeps me grounded and it keeps me humble you know and it keeps me make sure that i know that I, this is not about me this is about helping you know everybody and it's about a system that works no matter who you are fantastic Noah, how do we find out more get a copy of the book continue to learn from you all of that please if you go to noahstjohn.com, that's uh, my main website. Uh, the Book of Affirmations is available at affirmationsbook.com and affirmations.com is the main, uh, the official affirmation site. Affirmation, again, it's spelled A-F-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N-S, affirmations. Uh, and by the way, if you want to just talk to me or one of my coaches, you can go to breakthroughwithnoah.com. Breakthrough with Noah, just like it sounds. Breakthroughwithnoah.com, and you can watch an 11-minute video about how I help people make more than 12 weeks they didn't last 12 months while winning their lives back and you can also schedule a breakthrough consultation there at breakthroughwithnoah.com awesome fantastic Noah thank you so very much for being with us great stuff really appreciate it and I hope you'll come back again anytime Jim my pleasure we are out of time but back tomorrow be safe everyone bye now <laughs>